You are now listening to The Architect Introspect, The Architect's official radio broadcast. Hopefully, you have enjoyed your spring break and are back into the swing of things. To help you catch up on campus life, today's stories include news of an upcoming spring symposium, a drastic change in the tech scholarship system, a review of a popular TV series, and a critique of children's sports. So without further ado, let's get into our first story of the day by co-editor-in-chief Jonan Mitchell concerning an upcoming spring symposium. This story is read by A.J. Shaw. Springtime is slowly beginning its descent into the river valley. Dandelions bloom while students play frisbee in the quad, using Heinzmann Bell Tower as a reprieve from their studies. Spring is a special and unique time for tech, and the first annual outdoor recreation symposium will add to the campus culture. This free event is stated to take place on April 13th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. It will feature several seminars, lunches, and activities and events for students. Quote, we have people from the National Park Service, U.S. Forest Service, and Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. There's a ton of different people from a ton of different agencies related to outdoor rec, end quote. Dr. Michael Bradley, Associate Professor of Parks, Recreation, and Hospitality, said, The symposium will be split into two sessions, with discussions before and after lunch. Seminar discussions will be based on fishing, string development, diversity, and outdoor recreation. The events and activities include archery, casting, and a raffle for a Cedar Adrianarch chair. The proceeds will go towards student scholarships. The AGFC will also be doing a cooking seminar to prepare a small game from start to finish. Quote, there will be a lot of food, a lot of fun, all here at Williamson, end quote, Bradley said with a smile. There will also be a career fair with many different organizations involved in outdoor recreation and hospitality readily available for students to talk to. Bradley has taken the lead on this project. His idea for the symposium came from his previous school, Eastern Kentucky University. Despite COVID delaying his vision for almost four semesters, Bradley holds a lot of excitement about the event. Quote, I think it's cool and students got a lot out of it at his previous school, he said. End quote. The co-sponsor for the event is the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, who will be offering closing remarks along with Bradley at the end of the event. For more information, visit atu.edu prha, or follow the college on Instagram at atu underscore prha. Our next piece is an editorial covering the recent changes made to Tech Scholarships program and how that could impact incoming freshmen. Wow. 
last month, Arkansas Tech University announced that it would now be focusing on grade point average instead of ACT or SAT scores for freshman academic scholarship applicants. This change will be adjusted to suit first-year students who have already accepted scholarship and those eligible for new scholarships. The Architect Editorial Board has agreed that this change is good, but that the change needs to be phased out instead of transitioning this sharply. We believe that the transition to GPA will provide more opportunities for higher education to larger population of students. However, we think that there are a lot of complications that need to be considered while making this change. We believe that standardized testings are not accurate representations of the students' academic abilities, especially when so many students suffer from test-related anxiety. This lack of GPA standard across the state is something to think about when making this transition for scholarships. Standardized testing may not accurately represent a student. Many schools use different grading systems. A 4.0 at one school may be harder or easier to achieve at another school. Some schools have strong AP programs where the grades are weighted. On the other end of that scale, courses at more prominent schools may be more academically rigorous than at other schools. This could create a disemparity in fairness when administering scholarships. In comparison, smaller schools that may not be able to afford the program do not have the benefit. The architect also finds the distribution of scholarship money to be questionable. The gap between the highest scholarship and the other scholarship is wide. This also ties back to the issue with GPA standards standardization. A student who has a reasonable GPA of a 3.5 would be getting $3,000. Well, a student that's gotten more with it could get more with their ACT score. The scale simply needs to be evaluated before transitioning. Some current students have also voiced resentment. They feel that if they had the chance to use their GPA, they would have gotten way more scholarship money. However, they are stuck with the ACT scholarship while new students are given a better chance. The transition also needs to allow time for incoming students to adjust. A current high school junior who has spent all their time worrying about their ACT score then their GPA may not not get the same amount of money offered that they would looking forward. They cannot fix their GPA at this point. Because of that, they may decide to attend a different college than Arkansas Tech. For these reasons, the Architect Editorial Board believes it is important to make a gradual adjustment instead of a sharp change to the way Tech handles academic scholarships. Our next story from social media manager Maddie Vanderkoy concerns a popular TV series known as Bridgerton and why it is binge-worthy. This story is read by Allie Wood. Bridgerton has been the Netflix show that is currently consuming my free time. After the season one finale, I have been patiently waiting for my questions to be answered for over a year. Bridgerton has gained many fans after the first season. There were a lot of expectations of how the second season should play out. The Netflix original is set in the Regency era of England. The Bridgerton siblings attempt to find love through the series. The first season was filled with love and lust as the eldest girl, Daphne, found love. This season seemed a bit more real than what the first season portrayed. Characters were getting caught up in their emotions. Season 2 was based around Anthony, the eldest son. Since his dad had passed away years earlier, he was now the Viscount. That made it very important for him to find a wife. The whole season, you see his character develop so wonderfully. He constantly has an inner conflict with himself. 
Anthony just wanted to find a woman who fits the role of being his wife. He wasn't worried about finding love. But he found a woman who drove him mad because he was in love. The love-hate relationship portrayed between the two of them often confused me as to what was going to happen in the end. Although many watchers have said the second season is not good, I love it even more than the first. Don't get me wrong, Daphne's season roped me into Bridgerton, but this season was more than just Anthony finding love and a wife. Season 2 had many side stories going on that just roped me in more. Not only did Eloise have a big season, but so did Lady Whistledown. This season showed a lot of conflict with Lady Whistledown. It showed Eloise finally stepping out of her comfort zone and letting people know she didn't want the life anyone expected a woman to have. Season 2 left way more questions unanswered than the first season. Luckily, Bridgerton has already been announced that they have been renewed for seasons 4 and 5. Hopefully they don't make us wait a year and a half like they did this season. I recently learned that Bridgerton is based on a series of books by Julia Quinn. I think this season may have just convinced me to read the series. If you are looking for a show that makes you want to live in the 1800s and put on a big fancy ball gown, I promise Bridgerton will do the trick. Our final story of the day comes from staff writer Olivia Orr and concerns how children's sports could be unethical. Putting children in sports at a young age is assumed to spark a lifelong love of competing, but research shows that the opposite occurs. There's no doubt that children involved in sports teams have multiple mental and physical benefits. The PCSFN Science Board states that youth sports increase confidence, cognitive performance, and creativity in children while also helping them improve weight status and reduce the risk of cancer and diabetes. Despite the many positives of children participating in sports, youth sports are flawed. By age 13, 70% of children will drop out of sports, the Aspen Institute states. The large number of children quitting doesn't boil down to laziness, lack of work ethic, or even time. Most children finish because youth sports have the tendency to breed toxicity. After years of enduring the negatives of youth sports, many athletes simply burn out and are unwilling to continue even if they love the sport. Multiple factors create a toxic or even abusive environment in youth sports, but the pressure and poor leaderships from parents and coaches dominate. NADA recommends that kids refrain from specializing in a sport for as long as possible to avoid burnout and injury but most parents encourage their children to specialize in a sport by age six. Winning, winning is a part of sports, but it's also a game, especially for children, and should be treated accordingly. While competing, children are expected to be entirely focused on winning when they want to have fun and enjoy the sport with their friends. Sports breed a high level of pressure that children simply aren't prepared for, and that should be considered. Abuse in youth sports is something no one wants to talk about, but unfortunately exists. According to the Foundation for Global Sports Development, up to 7 million children experience sexual harassment or abuse in youth sports. This is not to say that youth sports shouldn't exist, nor, nor does this mean that all parents and coaches of child athletes create a harsh environment, but rather that we need to reassess the way we approach youth sports. When controlling youth sports, adults need to consider that these athletes are children and sports are a game. Safety and enjoyment should be the primary focus, meaning that the likelihood of abuse should be something every parent is aware of and is prepared to recognize. With these adjustments, youth sports can thrive. Thank you for tuning in to the Architect Introspect. 
on 91.9 KXRJ. To learn more about the pieces we covered today, read other stories, and listen to other installments of this broadcast, visit architectnews.com. The music of today's broadcast was provided by C418 and is called Stall. You can find more music from C418 on YouTube and Spotify or at c418.org. My name is AJ Schaff, and this has been the Architect Introspect. We'll see you next week on Friday at 5 o'clock.